You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour, let me first introduce you to my two incredibly lovely co-hosts. First, the consummate family minister, Mrs. Cassie Kale Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm good. So eager to hear just how many different ways you have to introduce me and Chelsea. <laughs> well, I've got to try a new one every week. And so uh, here also, you've mentioned her already, but Chelsea Griffin, she's the Griffin Golf Academy Coach of the Year, and she's my wife. Chelsea, how are you doing today? I'm good. I always win when I run on a post, so that's how I get to be. <laughs> The Griffin Golf Academy Coach of the Year. <laughs> you are unopposed in this family. I mean, I'm nothing but an advocate for you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, today's episode is all about what ifs. And one of the things we love to have conversations with our kids about hypotheticals. So I've got a little what if question for you guys before we get started. Uh, Cassie, you've, you've brought up before that you were a fashion major in college, but you're a children's minister by trade. So what if you got to redo your college ed career choices? Would you make any different choices? You know, I think I might pick a different major to drop out of. Like maybe culinary school. Like go to, like that way I have that <laughs> skill, but then still go into children's ministry or hair you'd school because then maybe I could save a ton a of money. One, you'd pick a different one to drop out of? Well, because then maybe I'd have a skill I could still apply to my life. Like if I was at culinary school, then I would maybe be a great cook at home. Or if I'd gone to hair school, I could save my husband all the money, you know, that we spend on hair in Dallas. It's expensive to get your hair cut in Dallas. I wouldn't know. I honestly wouldn't know. I could, I do my own. <laughs> Chelsea, what if uh, you got to redo your college career choices? Would you do anything different? Well, I changed my major a lot in college and then I went back to school again and got another degree. But if I had to like, absolutely had to choose another career to go back and do, I think I would be a really good truck driver, like an 18 wheel driver. Not because I'm good at driving or a safe driver, but I love um, gas station snacks and uh, and I'm good at stay, <laughs> staying up all night. I just, I really think I could thrive, you know? <laughs> That's great. I hope I could tag along. That'd be a fun thing. Maybe uh, yeah, empty nesters. Maybe we can yeah. get an 18 wheeler. Wouldn't that be fun? It's a great idea. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in, babe. Whatever you <laughs> want to do, I want to do it. If I got to redo my college career, I'll tell you, I've, I've been thinking about this lately. I think I would go back and do graphic design. I feel like it's something I'm really fascinated by. I feel like yeah. I could maybe be good at it, but there's a there's a lot of people who do it now, but every career you're in, and church work included, involves some version of, of needing to do graphic design. So I, won't, I think yeah. I would redo that. There was just no way to know that in the early aughts. Yeah. yeah. You'd be good at it though. I support you. Yeah. You're Thanks, very babe. creative. I could put up something on the side of our 18-wheeler and we'd be good to go. Don't you do all the graphic design for Eastside? No. Oh, no. There's We have... <laughs> We outsource that. There's some people that do a good job. It looks great. Uh, all right. Well, today we wanted to tackle a lot of the what ifs that we hear from parents about why family discipleship is hard, where they're stuck, where people need advice, uh, how to keep going. Almost kind of like a Q&A episode, but we're asking ourselves the questions. Uh, so we wrote the questions. We'll give you the answers, if that makes sense. So uh, maybe all the questions won't apply to your family, but I bet most of these will apply and hopefully they'll help everyone equip and minister to somebody else. So let's start with uh, maybe a softball one here for Cassie. Cassie, what if my kids will not sit still for family discipleship time? What if I've got hyperactive kids or kids that just don't want to sit in on what I want to mm. teach them? 
You just come over. You're welcome at the Bryant house because that's what we have sometimes. <laughs> My first suggestion would be to use food. So like sit down and use a meal time, leverage a timer. Hopefully they're already sitting and eating. I know some kids don't even sit still for meals because my third born does not enjoy sitting still for meals. But that's a great way to start is if you've got, and plus then they have food in their mouths so they're not talk, talking over you. And so maybe you start with making their favorite breakfast. If this is, if you're brand new at family discipleship, start with like some favorite meals and have them sit down and then explain what it is that you're doing. Give them expectations for you know, how long y'all are going to be doing it even and just letting them know like, hey, just for 10 minutes, start small, 15 minutes, we're going to sit and do this. Another time would be bedtime, like while they're already in bed, leveraging story time or whatever your bedtime routine is, leveraging that for family discipleship. And then also family discipleship doesn't have to be where you're sitting still. It can be when you're moving. Think of games to play or something in the backyard or while you're at a playground, like you're, you're leveraging those moments and you can plan for things where you're being active and pointing them to the gospel. And so some of our best moments will be just on a walk. We're walking our dogs, we're taking Maven, or I'll try and get one-on-one time with my kids on walks. And that's a great time to have really deep conversations because there's not this intimidating eye contact. And, but instead, you're, you're moving and you're looking at the things around you. And it's just really kind of puts, I feel like, kids at ease when you're you know, side by side doing something. That's That's good. good. Uh, Chelsea, here's one I think you'll really speak well to. And I've heard from several people. What if I've never been discipled? So I don't know what it looks like. What if my my family didn't do this growing up? I'm starting from scratch. Uh, How do you advise that parent? Yeah, that's a great question. First thing I would say is if you'd like to be discipled, look into it. And so if there's someone at your church that that you see something in specific that they could teach you about, if you know someone who is great at prayer or someone who knows their Bible well or just some godly attribute that you admire, seek that person out and don't ask them for a life sentence of spending time with you because that intimidates people sometimes. Not that they wouldn't want to spend time with you, but the commitment sometimes intimidates people. But if you just say to someone, you seem so committed to prayer, could I take you to lunch and you tell me how you got that way and how you practice that discipline? And so seek out those things that you want to learn about. If you know someone who is so well-versed in the scriptures, ask them to spend some time with you and ask them to show you how they study their Bible um, and what resources they use. So that's kind of an easy one to knock out. But as far as discipling your kids, I think most parents are equipped more than they realize. Yeah, there are There's a lot of resources, you know, to to disciple someone else, you just need to be a little bit ahead. And so if you can read, well, then great. You can read the Bible to your kids. Praying is talking to God. And so you can lead in that. You don't have to know exactly what someone else is doing or the perfect way to do it. The way we disciple our kids is through the scriptures and prayer and worship. It's, it's just not overcomplicated. So again, if you know somebody who's doing a good job discipling their kids, just ask them, tell me exactly what you do and um, see if it gives you some ideas. That's great. What come to mind for me while you were talking is last week, one of our sons was struggling with homework that involved long division. Well, it has been an eternity since I did long division. So if I treated that moment like, well, since I don't know how to do it, buddy, you're on your own, I'm not being the kind of parent I, I feel like I'm called to be. And it's not that hard for me to go, you know what? Let me look up some stuff, remind myself about long division. Let me learn it with you and then we'll do it together. And I think what you said is so good. Parents, this does not have to be something you give up on because there's a little bit of resistance or it's a little bit difficult or a little bit intimidating. If you've never been discipled on this before, let's let's get you discipled. 
And if you've never read the Bible with your kids before, let's read the Bible. If I said to you, let's run a marathon together in six months, I wouldn't say tomorrow, let's run 26 miles and see how we do. I'd say, mm-hmm. let's, let's take a little jog tomorrow and see how we feel after that. And then let's build a plan around getting to the point where we have a, a long-term goal that's going well, but it starts with a, a couple steps here. Cassie, here's one that the Griffin family really struggled with when we first became parents. What does discipleship look like for us? What if my kids are still just babies? Oh, that's when it's easiest. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the baby stage is hard because you're so tired, but that's, um, it's such a beautiful time to start discipling your kids. And so, I mean, I would start with prayer and there are some really great resources out there we can list in the show notes, which in the show notes, we can put some uh, resources. There's praying uh, through the scriptures for your children. Uh, There's a book about that. There is a resource put out by... It was Children Desiring God. Now I think it's Truth 74. I can't remember the number, but they um, have a resource. Uh, it's called A Father's Guide to Blessing Your Children. Yeah. And that's what we actually use. And you don't have to be a dad to use it. I used it and they come with little cards. And I would just, you know, while I was either feeding the baby or singing the baby to sleep or putting the baby down, we would just read those over them and just pray, pray for them. And so I think that's a great place to start. And then you know, as they get older, you you can start kind of adding things that are developmentally appropriate. But I, I think actually what's harder, Adam, and I'd love for you to speak to this, is what do you do when they get older and they're, they are disinterested? Or what if they're in middle school and you're just starting? Like, how do you, how do you engage a kid that might be uninterested in this? Yeah, there, there's nothing more difficult in my mind of the disinterested and resistant teenager to what you want to accomplish when they're uh, smart enough to talk back, but not rational enough to make the wise decision. That is such a hard place to be as a parent. And I think for every family, you got to decide what are your non-negotiables? What does it mean to say, as long as you're part of this family, this is what our family does. And there are some things when it comes to family discipleship that are worth putting your foot down and saying, this may not be what you do for your whole life. But if you're my teenage son and you live in my home, this is what we're going to do. Of course, the, the best strategy for that is to have it have family discipleship have been so ordinary that by the time your kid is a teenager, it's not something new you're trying to do. But of course, if you are a parent of teenagers just trying family discipleship for the first time and you're facing resistance, I wouldn't be surprised. You're not alone in that. Teenagers often think of authority as my adversary. They don't see you as the person who's thinking of their good. They look at their peers as the people that think of their good. And we all know that a teenager's peers, oh my goodness, you got got (laughs) fools for friends, man. So if you're looking at your friends and going, no, this is what's cool and this is what's good, or I'm looking at, Chandler talked about, if I'm looking at TikTok as my authority, gosh, man, what are we dooming our kids to? Mm. So I think one, uh, the biggest thing for parents of teenagers is don't be discouraged. Manage what your your non-negotiables are going to be. And then you also have the opportunity with a teenager to invite them into planning what family discipleship could look like. So if we want family discipleship not to be the worst time in our week uh, when we get together, then ask your kid, what are the things that you enjoy doing? And how can we pair that with what we want to do spiritually? Mm, If your kid loves to ride bikes, then let's ride bikes together and talk about things. Let's pray together as we're we're playing catch in the backyard. What does your kid enjoy? Or if you have a a big wide range of kids, you invite your older kids into how you're going to disciple your younger kids. Give them some responsibility. Give them some authority. Treat them like they're a human being instead of just somebody who's like an employee who happens to live in your house. And so I think you dignify them by inviting them into it. Uh, Chelsea, here's a what if for you. What if my kids are older and we've never had any spiritual conversations before? I touched on this just a second ago, but what would you advise to the parents who've 
who are starting fresh. Well, I'd like to say this gently, but you need to start by repenting to the Lord and before your kids, because the Lord has commanded us to raise our kids in the knowledge of Him. And He's made it clear through the scriptures that He is what our life is about. So if we have led our kids to believe that life is about grades or sports or making money or anything else that will eventually go away, the Word of God lasts forever. And He says that we're to talk about these things with our kids. So I would just genuinely tell your kids, hey, God commanded me to do this and I haven't been doing it. And so I need to apologize. And then, you know, if it feels awkward with your kids, say, sorry, this is awkward, but we have to. God commanded me to. And so I have to obey God and do what he says is best, even if it's not easy. So we're going to start and, you know, and take off. It might be awkward. That's okay. That first step of repentance is so valuable for your kids to see. That is discipleship. When you're showing them that when you realize you have not obeyed God or you have not followed his commands, the scripture tells us turn and go the other way. Repent from that and turn to the Lord. And he is so merciful and he's so gracious. And so that's a beautiful opportunity to show your kids that God is not shaming us and wagging his finger at us. He is always welcoming us back in. He always wants his children to return to him. And so that's a that's a super sweet opportunity to say, hey, I messed this up a little bit, but God is forgiving. He's gracious. And so here we go. We're going to start. That's so good too for like the parent who, I mean, I know we struggle with consistency in our house. Like we'll start doing something and it's going really great. And then a couple months later we get busy or like something interrupts that rhythm. And so even just to come back to our kids and say, oh man, please forgive us. We have dropped the ball on this. We've stopped making it a priority. You know, like that's yeah. something that's even ongoing in the home where we are, we have been discipling our kids, but yeah, it kind of ebbs and flows, you know? Yeah. That's really good. Cassie, here's a tough one for you. And in fact, it's a really tough one. I, I would hate to be in this situation, but what if my spouse is not a Christian or we don't see eye to eye on how to lead our family. Mm, that's so hard. Let's start with if your spouse is a believer and y'all don't see eye to eye, because I think then there are some really clear next steps, hopefully for just praying together for unity and asking that's God good. just to help you get on the same page about you know how to disciple your kids and what's important. And that's so important even for your kids to see, right? For kids to see their mom and dad seeking to find unity and agree and kind of be on the same team in this regard. And then to seek counsel in the church and to ask for just help and wisdom from pastors or community around them. If you are a parent and your spouse is not a believer, then I would say, hopefully if you're a part of a church that you can seek community to rally around you and to help you. Men and women in the church who will come alongside you and and be a partner with you in discipling your kids because this is not just a command for parents. It really is a command for all of the whole church to be discipling the next generation. And so yeah. on all of us to be part of that with single parents or parents who've maybe been like spiritually abandoned by a spouse uh, or who's, we have had a family who's the spouse is somewhat hostile towards discipleship in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a big challenge, but we've done our best to partner with the other parent and to invite them in when that heart is soft, when you know the opposing heart is soft and lets you know them come in. But it's, it's not an easy thing. And then the other thing I would just be, is, it would say is just pray for a miracle. Just beg God yeah. to change the heart of your spouse 
and just on your knees every night asking God to to move and to do something yeah. for his glory, for the good of your spouse and for the good of your home and your children. And so he can do it. I know there are stories of of hearts changed uh, even later in life. And so I think just don't stop praying for the salvation of, you know, the other parent. Yeah, Paul gives us a glimmer of that hope that by staying married to an unbeliever, some people have come to know Christ. I think that's that's a wonderful answer. Yeah. Chelsea, we talk a lot about family discipleship modeling, about what we're modeling for our kids. What if what if I keep losing my temper with my kids? Like what if my behavior is a poor example to my kids? What do you say to that parent? I feel like you keep giving me essentially the same question. Uh, and the answer <laughs> is, <laughs> is repent. No, I'm sort of kidding. But but really, I think we've talked about this before. Who's, who's the important? important person that said you can't impart what you don't possess. Howard Hendricks. Yes. He's a professor he wrote, he, at UTS. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, he wrote a book or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the father of DTS. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Oh, man. Yeah. You guys know a lot about that. Anyways, it's true. <laughs> Whoever said it, it's true. You can't impart yeah. something you don't possess. So when we're trying to, we want our kids to experience the joy of godliness, right? We know that obeying God brings joy. And walking with Him, living a life that pleases Him, brings us joy and freedom. And so if we're experiencing a lack of that joy and freedom, so much so that that we're consistently displaying behavior that doesn't reflect Christ, man, God is merciful. He is so forgiving. We've got to ask for His forgiveness. We've got to model that for our, our children and to say, I'm sorry I lost my temper. God forgives me, and I want to ask you for your forgiveness too. And again, that is discipleship, right? You're modeling that. That's not this like planned, rigid time. That's just life. For all of us, though, we have to apologize to our kids and show them that humility and that we need forgiveness too, that everybody who follows Jesus has a lifestyle of belief and repentance and belief and repentance, and it and it keeps going. We have something to repent for every day. And so this is not something that disqualifies you from discipling your kids or kind of kicks you out of this idea. And so I'd say, don't be discouraged, apologize, and, and believe that God's forgiveness is for you and that it's real. And so move on, hold your head high. Um, if you're carrying any guilt and shame, it is not from the Lord. Jesus took all of our guilt and shame. Yeah. So if you're carrying any of that, you reject it in the name of Christ because it's not for you, but it's always a good day to repent and go the other way. So your kids benefit from that so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's always a good day to repent and go the other way. That is true. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy, but it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out.
Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Cassie, right now, the Griffin family, we're both working full-time on our days off. We're doing a podcast. We've got three kids. They're in sports. We're a busy family. One of the more common questions I hear is, what if our family is too busy for family discipleship? What do you say to the busy family? I mean, I think anytime we say we're too busy to obey one of God's commands, we're probably in trouble. So I think it's time if you feel that pressure, I think maybe that is the Holy Spirit saying your priorities are off or wrong. And so it might be time to look at your calendar and ask yourselves, what are the things in our lives that we are prioritizing over discipleship of our kids? And so we, I mean, we see this all the time, sports and school and extracurriculars. And we fight, I mean, not like we fight that drive. I don't know if it's living in a city, but it's like, there's always something to do. There's always something to sign up for. It's like gymnastics and volleyball and And then you feel bad if one kid's in something, but you don't have the other kid in something. And so all that to say, I think it's just time to look at the calendar and really say, if we are going to prioritize this, it means that we need to let it bear some weight in our day and in our calendar. Also though, in addition to that, you know, that's what the moments are for. And the idea of like leveraging, you know, for those of us who can multitask, leveraging times of the day that we can do both things. So you can eat a meal and disciple your kids. You can drive in the car and talk to your kids about their day and pray for them. And so there are definitely ways, um, which Deuteronomy 6 talks about, like as you go. So you're doing that as you're going to those things, but your kids will grow up knowing what it is that you've given the most value to when it comes to your resources and your time. Chelsea, what if I'm a parent and I don't feel theologically competent? I don't feel like I'm uh, spiritually ready. I'm, I'm a little underdeveloped in that area. What do you say? Just read those books that y'all were just talking about by that Howard Hendricks guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so evident, evidently started a seminary or something. I don't uh, know. He's a big no. part of it. Yeah. Okay. Good for him. No, there's so many resources out there to become theologically competent to disciple your children. And there's a lot of resources that are for children that actually help you become more theologically competent. But, you know, I mean, to describe what that means, what does it mean to be competent to know? Yeah who God is, what he says about himself, what he says about us in the scriptures. And so reading your Bible and being able to share simple truths 
with children, you know, at our church. And I know at the church where Cassie works too, we have like very simple phrases about God that describe what he's like, that God made everything, that God is good, that Jesus came to save sinners, stuff like that, that are very simple truths that kids can understand and take in. But, you know, we use with our kids for a lot, a lot of the time when they were really little, we used the Jesus Storybook Bible which will minister to any parent's heart. It's talking about how every story in the Bible is actually about Jesus. And then we've used the big picture, what's it called? The big picture study Bible? Big picture illustrated Bible, something like that, I think. It's great and because it has a little, at the end of every story, and that and that Bible is less, it's less little kid-like and has, you know, a lot of excerpts that are really straight from the scripture, not paraphrased right. so much, but really from the scripture. But at the end of every story, it really has the insight right there for you that you could literally just read it straight to your kid. So you don't have to be... That you know, a theologian or a seminary graduate to feel theologically competent in that regard. But yeah, and and seek out help from the church. The church usually has a lot of resources. Your kids minister or how observe how they're teaching in the kids ministry classes to gain some insight there. Um, or serve in children's ministry. Ooh, that's a Come good on. idea. That's a, a really tug. good idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Recruiting. On a Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I used to serve in the two-year-old room, which is awful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, they're very sweet. Uh, it's just somehow feels just a like lot a, of snot and tears. But. It's a lot, yeah. So blessings on all the people that do that. But yeah, that was yes. helpful because yeah, we were given instructions on how to teach today's story, and again, just the repetition of those short phrases that children can understand. Yeah, I think one of the issues around that is that parents tend to, and I, you mentioned something like this, that the expectation you have on yourself of theological competency, like what is your line? And I think a lot of the problem that we see in it is comparison. We look at ourselves and go, oh, but that parent can do that. Or you imagine some hypothetically brilliant seminary parent and what they're doing. And you're not understanding the Lord hasn't called them to parent your kids. They've called you. And so what does it look like for you to lead your family it means for you to pursue God genuinely and then to use what the Lord is building in you to, to lead others. And that's okay. Even if you have teenagers to say, join me on this journey. I've got to be one step ahead of you in order to lead you, but no, we're going to do it together. I think is a fine thing to do. No matter how old your kid is, at some point they are going to ask you a question about God or the Bible that you don't know the answer to. You can talk about it. You can try to figure it out together. If it's a fact that you could look up, that's great. A lot of times it's something like, well, why did God put that tree in the garden if it was going to bring sin and death? Yep. And at that point, <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> try try to just do your best. <laughs> We have, you know, we have like this mystery bucket where you just kind of hold up our hands in a big circle and we just like em to embrace the mysteries that we don't know. And we'll say, God knows what's best. And he mm -hmm. has deemed that it is best for us to not know or understand everything about the way he does things. And so we're going to trust that he's wise and he knows what's best. And that means we don't always have the answers. So we really That's try good. to embrace mystery in the Bryant household. <laughs> well, I think it's always better to embrace mystery than try to make something up to seem yourself, make yourself seem smart in front of your kids. Oh, they'll sniff that out. You're I mean, like, then uh, you're a hypocrite. Yeah, then they're yeah. like, yeah. I so think it probably, out. it's probably because of this. And it's like, well, now you're, you're discipling with heresy, potentially. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> fine, to, fine to check it out. Discredit uh, yourself pretty quick. <laughs> 
Cassie, Northway's done some work on this, and I know Eastside's done some work on this, but what if a family has kids with special needs? Yeah, I mean, our our greatest resources that we've learned from is an organization called Johnny and Friends, and they have, uh, it's Johnny Erickson Tata, and it is an organization that seeks to partner along with families and churches to disciple the next generation and to make the church a welcoming place for children with special needs. And so between that and then, even Young Life Capernaum is probably a great resource. I know that th- that's for more like adults with um, special needs, but both of those resources will have ideas for ways to engage your kids. I mean, if you're if you have a special needs child, you're already engaging them in a ton of different ways that's developmentally appropriate, and so then it's really just adding onto that or building a foundation for them of scripture, and so depending on where they're at developmentally. It's, you know, making sure there's Bible verses that are part of what you're doing or praying over them and and really just seeking to trust the Lord with their faith and their spiritual development. I mean, I know special needs, it's a very wide range of what you could mean there. But those two resources, I think, have been the, the biggest helps for Northway. That's excellent. Chelsea, what if we have a big family? How do we make time? How do we give focus to each individual kid? I think there's a lot of creative ways. I mean, we only have three kids, so we're definitely not experts on this. I remember, Adam, you probably remember this since you're the father of my children, when <laughs> uh, we we dropped our kids off at grandma and grandpa's for cousin camp one year and so that you and me could have a few days together. But I remember thinking, oh, I was sad for our kids to miss our family devotionals, you know, for, you know, four days or whatever. And thought, oh, they'll they'll miss out on that, but that's okay. And then when we came back to Grandma's house with all the cousins, we saw what Grandma and Grandpa had organized, and it was so special. But they, awesome. we have older nieces and nephews that are now in high school and college, and they had paired up each of the older cousins, you know, with one of the young kids. And so when we got there, it was one of our nephews. And our oldest son, they were like, it's their turn tonight. And so they had to lead a devotional time with a story and a song that they picked. And our older nieces, nephews play instruments. So I was, I laughed a lot because I was very humbled that it was like, honestly, it was way better than anything that we, <laughs> that, that we do. There was live worship with a band <laughs> and people acting out Bible stories. I was like, oh, we don't ever do that. Um, so, But I was impressed with the creativity and just how effective that was at, you know, making our kids get up and, and try to take the lead. So that was really sweet to see an older kid and a younger kid pair up. That gave some opportunity for leadership there and it involved all the kids. So that was really sweet. But even with a lot of kids, you know, there's still a way to make special time for each kid. And so it can be really special to take a kid to school late one day because, you know, you're going to have a one-on-one breakfast or pull one kid or two kids out of school early or just the girls or just the boys or however makes sense for your family to just get some focus time here and there on the way somewhere or just something that that's easy, something that works out. You probably know which of your kids are night owls and which of our kids are early birds. And so I have a friend whose youngest son wakes up really early and wants to see the sunrise. And he comes and he wakes up his dad and him and his dad watch the sunrise every morning, just the two of them. And that's their special thing, you know? In our family, our kids on the day of the month that is their birth date, so they're born on the 16th, the 16th of every month, they get to stay up late with just us. And so that's really sweet and create some special time for them where we can have special conversations. So, but yeah, there's a lot of creative ideas out there. 
Yeah, that's one of my favorite things we do right now in our household. And our kids love it. They constantly have a countdown to their day of the month. You know, if it's Oscar night or Gus night or Theodore night, and after their brothers go to bed, they get to stay up late and kind of pick a little bit of what we do. And then it's also when I do a little bit more of the the sex ed talk with them because they have individual time. And then, of course, when it's their actual birthday, we may make it a whole day. So it also serves as like a countdown to their birthday, like this many more Gus nights until it's your birthday again. But our kids love it. I absolutely love it. We've, we've mentioned a couple of resources. I, I'd love just to give a generic question around this. Cassie, if we, if we want or need a resource to help us get started as a family, what would you suggest? Well, if your kids are young, I would suggest the Jesus Storybook Bible. And they, they have content now online and resources that would have like discussion questions as a part of that. But if you're starting while they're little, then at bedtime, I would just start reading that. Have a box of Kleenexes handy because I've never made it through it without tearing up a little bit myself. (laughs) It's just so beautifully written and it gives children the big story of scripture pointing to Jesus in every lesson and just really teaching them that God's word is his special revelation about who he is and who Jesus is and how much he loves us. And so that's a great place to start. Marty Machowski is an author who has written quite a few different devotionals. There's Long Story Short, which is our 10-minute devotionals that go through the Old Testament, and Old Story New, which are 10-minute devotionals that go through the New Testament. And so those are two separate resources. And that's great for like a mealtime, like sitting, you know, sitting around a table with the whole family. And, you know, you can even set your timer for 10 or 15 minutes and and just kind of work through that lesson. If your kids are older, then I would just maybe pick pick a gospel and walk through a chapter of the day and read it together and discuss. It doesn't have to be fancy. There are other great resources out there for older kids and teenagers, but I would start with just the word of God, which you know has promised not to return void and pick maybe a readable translation and go from there. That's excellent. That's awesome. Chelsea, how about you? What are some of your favorite resources when it comes to family discipleship? This Two Bibles that uh, that I mentioned earlier and that Cassie also mentioned just now. There's a book I love called uh, The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross. And it's yeah. a really good short book for little kids that honestly describes like the whole story of scripture. I found it helpful as a way to like connect the Old and New Testament for our kids. And honestly, when I first read it to our kids, I was like, wow, I would have benefited from this in in college, honestly, um, just to understand the story of Scripture as a whole. It's but it's like a cute book. It's well illustrated. It's it's very sweet. And they have whoever makes those has a whole line of books about Jesus calming the good book the good the book good company. book. Okay, they have a book about Jesus calming the storm and some other, they're really good stories. And um, I love the way they do it. So those have been really helpful. A lot of churches put out great music for kids. And then we love that yeah. Shaylin album. And our churches have put out great music for kids that have been helpful. Yeah. Ooh, the Slugs and Bugs album. We love their scripture album. So good. Seeds Worship. Yeah, it's I got mean, a, it's got, right. got a few a lot weird of ones. Stuff out there. Yeah. Which one? You know that <laughs> the, the Slugs, Slugs and Bugs song about the, about the alien in, Levidi- in Leviticus or whatever? Oh, they have... <laughs> it's so they weird. They have silly songs, but then they have like... Then they just have Bible verse songs. <laughs> no, it's about a Bible verse, but it's but it's talking about the alien, talking oh. about like a fo- like a foreign person in your land. It's very bizarre. I deleted it from my phone. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of the albums are great. That song did drive me a little bit nuts. It's just so weird. But there's there's a lot of good stuff on there for older kids. Well, let me give you a plug for for season two. We've we're going to have an interview with uh, Ruth Cho Simons, who wrote a book called Foundations, which is a great devotional for families. 
We're going to have a conversation with John Tyson, who has a brand new book out called Intentional Father. So if you've got a, particularly a boy who's about to turn 13, the whole book is about kind of a milestone plan for rite of passage for bringing your boy from boyhood to manhood. And there's a lot of books in that line, like uh, King Me by Steve Farrar, uh, Raising a Modern Day Knight. Those kind of books I love as well. The ones I just mentioned are more directed at boys, but there are some great books specifically for moms, moms of boys, moms of girls. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff out there. But the older your kids get, the less I think you have to focus on like parent-specific resourcing and more you can go to. I think John Tyson even mentions that his son and he read How to Make Friends and Influence People Together. And he said, what's, what's redeemable about this? What's, what's godly about this? How does, it, how does it raise us up to be men? And they would watch movies together and talk about what the, the message in the movie is and what it has to do with the gospel. Or Right Now Media does a bunch of TV shows for kids and music for kids that's directed at kids, but also has parenting training on there. There's a ton of good resources. I'm going to list them in the show notes. The resources are helpful because they answer a lot of your what-if questions. If you yeah. do have more questions, I promise you, we'd love to hear from you. So you can reach yeah. out to us. Uh, reach out to us on social media. Just uh, send, us a, send us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And either we'll answer your question on a future episode or try to get back to you about it. So thanks for listening. And if you think it is important as we do to disciple your families, give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast and share this episode with one of your friends. We'll see you next time. Find us online if you want to join the conversation. Mm -hmm.